Fury Shack, you son of a bitch! Hello, Internet, and welcome to the A to Z Horrorcast. This is the creatively titled podcast brought to you by us over at AtoZHorror.com and by the Phantom Podcast Network. If you haven't yet, definitely take a minute and go on down to downrightcreepy.com slash phantom. Check out all the other shows that they have on the network there and everything else they have going on. And we'll we'll get into this a little bit later, but we, uh, we, we've got a, a special shout-out to another show on the Phantom Podcast Network this week. So, um, you know, but until then, I'm Jack, and sing tomorrow to Jake. <laughs> this isn't going to have a happy ending, Jack. <laughs> and saying this to Jake is someone else who gets attention by hitting things with a sledgehammer. It's Mark. This isn't even my desk. <laughs> For those of you unfamiliar with our Crackjack operation, we watch and review one horror movie a week, and then we get drunk and argue about it. Uh, in so doing, we spoil the shit out of that movie. This week, we watched uh, 1995 7, and so we'll be spoiling that uh, coming up here in a little bit. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun, but first, we've got to do the getting drunk part. So on that score, let's do Beers for Fears. Jake! What are your beers for these fears? This is a movie that I think more than anything else visually is characterized by its rain. Just constant rain in this hellacious city. I have a beer today called Rain Cloud. <laughs> it's a stout. And it's from Foolproof Brewing here in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Mark, how about you? What are your beers for these fears? Uh, mine's really on the nose. I am drinking... Tank Seven, by far, it's a farmhouse ale by Boulevard. Yep. So it has it has seven in the yep. name, and the name of the movie. I got it. Is seven. <laughs> so that's the connection Thanks, I'm Mark. looking for. Well, I like it. I like it because I'm drinking uh, Sins of Our Fathers uh, by Crooked Fence okay. Brewing here in Boise. Um, I, I I think it, it fits pretty well because you know. This movie's about the seven sins. I'm not excited because it's it's still the morning here, and this is a double imperial stout. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, Jack. So this. Hair That's going to be buddy. an exciting one. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Um, yeah. Um, we'll get into the movie pretty soon, but first, uh, let's talk about what else has been rocking our horror worlds. And this week, um, something special has been rocking our horror worlds, because we all watched Wishmaster, Mimic, Scream 2, and Event Horizon. Uh, all three of us watched all four of those movies. We're not going to talk about them here, because we did that uh, for the guys over at the Nightmare Junkhead podcast, another podcast over at the Phantom Podcast Network, and we showed up on their podcast. I think it just dropped yesterday as we record this, but before that, as you listen to this. Nice. <laughs> um, but That's we math. had a fucking blast being on their podcast. I don't know. What would what, you guys think about that particular incident? An incident. It was an incident for I'm them. I'm over. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to characterize it. No, a lot of fun. Definitely check out their podcast. Uh, the two matchups that we had going on. We jumped in in the round of eight, right? The hateful yep. eight. Yeah. Um, what was it? It's been so long. Scream two took on uh, Event, Horizon. Event Horizon. We had Event Horizon going yep. through pretty easily, and then Mimic beat out Wishmaster as well. Uh, I think we were all relatively on the same page with a lot of those selections. All good movies. All very much characterizing the 1997 and late 90s horror scene so a lot of fun talking with those For guys sure. yeah and then later on the episode i think they got um the guys from the uh, phantom zoned podcast mm -hmm. uh, on to to break down the last two so that would have been um i think uh, what mimic versus event horizon yep to see who's going forward so that was a lot of fun definitely go check out the uh, the nightmare junkhead podcast those guys fucking rock um also check out yeah, the phantom but, Zone uh, podcast those guys are pretty cool yeah definitely they're less horror focused yeah. and more 
obscure movie focused, but every once in a while those two lines cross. Those motherfuckers have seen so many movies, it's bananas. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm jealous of of that position. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, But, uh, Mark, what else has been rocking your horror world, apart from those four 1997 horror movies? Sure. Uh, Peeling back the curtain a little bit, it's been, what, three weeks since we've talked about any of this stuff? Uh, So I actually have quite a few things. I'm going to spare you a few of them, save them for later, and just talk about two. Uh, the first of which is going to be the girl with all the gifts. So, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. We reviewed, we didn't review it. We, we brought this up a while ago on a horror release roundup. Uh, I couldn't tell you what month it was probably towards the beginning of the year. I don't know. Maybe it actually might've been December. This is the important thing that you care about. Uh, especially when it's wrong. High, yeah. <laughs> High level commentary. It's it's a zombie movie. It's uh very good at uh kind of showing the relationship between the individual people. Like like a good zombie movie, it's not about the zombies, it's about the people who are running from the zombies. Um without belaboring the point, I highly recommend this movie. Oh my god, is it good. Um Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're not really a zombie movie fan, this is arguably the best zombie movie I've ever seen. Um, Whoa! Yeah, it, dude. Wow. See it. See it. Just, just go see it. Um, the music is incredible. I feel like I can talk about that <laughs> without spoiling much. It. I normally don't really recognize scores in in movies um, unless they're just absolutely phenomenal. And this one, I think it could rub rub you the wrong way because it's sort of a weird. It's it's like almost industrial sounding, but uh, if if you even if unless you're like wildly turned off by electronic synth type music, um, your this this score is damn near perfect for this movie. Nice, um, I like that. Don't go in wanting to see a happy fun times movie. There is no levity in this thing. It is a slog. Uh, it is a little long. It's 110 <laughs> minutes, so. Uh, yeah, it's 110 minutes of just nothing but drama. So go in with that in mind. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that being said, it's a hard recommend. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. How'd you watch it? Uh, I got it in the mail in a, on a Blu-ray. God <laughs> Christ. Damn it. I'm sh- I mean, whatever. It's available. You, just, you can rent it from Amazon or whatever for three bucks now or something, so... It's it's widely available. I just got. I like to get Blu-rays because they're not compressed and they look better. So, yes. Okay. okay. Uh, there you go. Item number uh, two. What else you got? Item number two was Wreck, the 2007 movie that Quarantine ended up being based on. Um, I had so it's it's in Spanish. Um, I actually believe it's in Spain that it occurs. But um, yeah, I mean, I really like the movie Quarantine. Uh, so you would expect me to really like the movie Wreck. And had I seen them in the correct order, that's probably how it would have gone. As it stands, Wreck is basic. Well, I, I said that wrong. Quarantine is basically a shot-for-shot remake of Wreck. <laughs> They're exactly the same movie. Uh, up until the very, very end, the endings do differ a little bit. Um, and weirdly, looking into the... As I was, like, going through... rent, I think I rented it on Amazon. Um, and as I was going through... Uh, like all the other sequels, because, you know, when you pu- punch in Wreck, all of them pop up. 
Uh, seems like the sequels go in a weird direction from, from how this movie ends. But if you start looking into like rec three, rec four, the synopsises that they post on, on Amazon, it's like the demonic possession has spread to America or <laughs> whatever. Uh, so that's a, that was a little strange to see that one pop up. But in any case, uh, I mean, it's a classic, right? It's one of the best found footage movies out there. If you've seen Quarantine, you probably don't need to double back on this one. It is entirely in Spanish with uh, English subtitles. And you might be able to find a dub or something, but uh, so just keep don't that go in the, mind. Don't do the dub. Don't if do you the haven't... Dub. PSA, it, don't do a dub. Oh my god. If you haven't seen either of those, <laughs> I, I you probably want to see the original. Uh, I'd, rec- I'd give this one a recommend. It's, it's a classic. Uh, people, are, I mean, this is pretty widely mentioned as one of the best found footage movies ever made, so give it a go. All right. Wow. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Jake, how about you? What's uh, What's been rocking your horror world? Well, Mark had high praise for his movies that he watched this week, so I'll start on the other end of the spectrum. I lost a bet. <laughs> yes, you I did. I lost a bet to you, Jack. You uh, sure did. And for losing that bet, I had to watch 2016's The Exorcism of Anna Eklund, which you had told me it was like the softening of the blow of me having to watch this movie was that it was on Netflix, so at least I didn't have to pay for it. You lied. I did have to pay for it. It was not on Netflix. <laughs> awesome. So for the listener who is interested in what I'm about to say, you can get it on Amazon for like three bucks is what I ended up paying. Um, it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. That being said, it did absolutely... It didn't even try. It didn't even try. It was just like, here are the various tropes that go along with an exorcism movie. And here is a very bland, blandly acted, pretty poorly done special effects, utilizing, nothing else redeeming, just slog fest. It was a little long, too. I think I I actually that's tough for me to say. I think it was right about 90, but it felt really fucking long. Uh, It's an exorcism movie. I think my biggest indictment of it, I'm not really here to spoil it and... I don't think any of the listeners are going to care about this piece of shit, but the problem that I had with this more than all of the other grievances that I just aired is you jump into this movie and Anna Eklund is like already possessed. You have no idea what she's like in not that state. (laughs) And that's the only reason that exorcism movies work is that it's about that kind of care for the character that eventually once they're possessed, like creates that level that you go to to be invested in them emotionally. You don't have any of that. And then when she's doing the exact same stuff that you can see in the exorcist, it's, there's no punch because she's like not a character you care about. She's a grown woman. She's not a kid. So it's less shocking, like nothing good about it. So (laughs) I watched it, Jack. Congratulations on your win, sir. Well, Jake, it was based on a true story. Yeah. Yeah, it was. That's what the poster said. (laughs) Did you reach out to the Eklund family? Not a recommend. Not a recommend. And you didn't reach no. out to the Eklund family? No? Okay. Well, that's just... No, I, I chose not to. I chose not to... Pre- I know. Well. <laughs> I took He's that one as... protecting their privacy, Mark. Yeah, that's I took fair. that one as that's far fair. as I as I wished. Uh, the next movie that is on my list... There are three. I'm really flying through these, though. Uh, Split from 2016. Oh, shit. Well, it came out yeah, earlier this year, I, I guess. want to see um, this. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil this one either. I didn't care for it. At all. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
I had high hopes for this one. I so it was very very well shot. It was the production value was there. The acting was tremendous. Like just to look at James McAvoy and his character, I recommend the movie. Okay, I recommend the movie, but I did not care for it for reasons that would be spoilery. So this is kind of a hard one for me to talk about. I just want to mention that I saw it. Came out earlier this year. You can go. You can rent on Amazon. I would recommend as a horror fan you watch this movie. I personally didn't care for it. There you go. I don't even know what else I can say unless you guys have questions. Well, no, because I do want to see it. So I, I still think I'm going to watch it. That's fine. Maybe we'll talk. About I'd recommend that, you do. I'm definitely going to watch highly... it. Even without you spoiling it, I am confident I know exactly what happens. <laughs> and I, I guess what I would um, say is I, I'm confident I know exactly what happens and I'm com- because of your reaction. Okay. Well, I'm not going to say anything else. You know me, so yep, that's I'm going to trust that the listeners know me a little bit less and if they haven't seen it I, I would still recommend it he does a great job and Shyamalan can definitely frame a scene so there you go okay the third one gonna fly through this one as well I watched Resolution which goes back to 2012 and that movie is the first of the now three that are directed by like co-directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Scott Moorhead who also did Spring which I love and yeah. Shout out to Luke Rodriguez, Jesus, from the uh, Modern Horrors podcast, also (laughs) on the Phantom Podcast Network. He was the one who, like, originally was like, you need to see this one. And that was kind of on the heels of their third movie that's just now making the rounds in the festival circuit coming out, which is called The Endless. I really want to see that. And I was like, I haven't seen the first one. I might as well go back and check it out. Uh, Yeah, you were a big fan of Spring. I loved Spring a lot. Uh, I also love this one. It's very different than Spring, but it is... Similar in the sense that it is just so goddamn well done from a storytelling perspective. Like, they just make you care about characters in the film to a level that not a okay. lot of other movies do. This one is really just like, there you have this guy and his buddy is like estranged and he's like a junkie. They've kind of lost touch, but he gets a video from his friend in an email and he thinks it's kind of a cry for help. So he goes out there to try to drag him off to rehab and things devolve from there in like the backwood mountains of... California, so can't say much else about it. It's very weird. It's kind of hard to figure out exactly what's happening. If you're recommending this or Spring, which are you recommending? Oh my god. They're totally different movies. Um, If I am recommending a movie to a horror fan, I'm recommending this. If I'm recommending a movie, I'm recommending Spring. All right. That makes sense. Fair enough. Oh, and that's really it's... hard. I almost want to take that back. Whatever. <laughs> See them both. It's hard. Okay. When you say that it's it's in a well, you didn't really say that it's in a series, but that these movies are like the third of the of the group. They're not they're not like serialized or anything, are they? They're No, they're totally they're connected in no way, shape, or form. Their own right. universes. Yeah. You can watch one and not feel like the other is at all related. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what I have, Jack. How about you? Uh, so like you, I also lost a bet. Uh, this was a couple of weeks back now, not (laughs) on the most recent cast, but, uh, the one before that, I lost a bet to Mark, I think based on when the TV show Friends debuted, um, you know, classic gambling stuff. That seems right. (laughs) So Mark, you made me watch the movie. Tell me how I die. (laughs) (laughs) Um, look, it wasn't good. Number one, it pissed me off. This is not the movie, but it did piss me off because it's about a bunch of college students who go undergo a drug trial, 
And uh, Jake, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. You and I both tried to go do yep. a sleep trial in college and get paid for it, yep. and they wouldn't let us because we're both left-handed. Yep. And the world is a fucking nightmare yep. and against left-handed people. <laughs> um, yep. Because you're all very sinister. <laughs> nope. Yeah. <laughs> so that pissed me off right from the start. But this movie's kind of weird. Like, there's a, a waitress um, who joins the, the crew, and it kind of feels like the movie wants her to be the one you relate to. Um, like, a bunch of college kids and then her. And the characters are totally undefined. All of them are totally interchangeable. The movie's trying to do so much. Like, so what happens is, and this is in the trailer, so I don't think this is spoiling anything. The drug makes you see into the future and see how you die. (laughs) Um, And then it's a bunch of, like, trying to be Final Destination-style kills from there based on these people seeing how they die. But then there's a slasher. Someone's killing them all. They're all dying by the same hand. Um, who's better at seeing into the future than them. It's, there's a lot going on in this movie. None of it, excuse me, none of it works very well. Um, it's certainly not a recommend, but it, it, it definitely wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen. Either. I would love to see the commercial when this drug gets approved, where it's like a woman walking with, with like a blanket <laughs> behind her in a field. And then like the voiceover in the background is like, this drug may cause you to have visions of the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Um, so saw that one. Um, fuck you, Mark. It was bad. Mm. Um, didn't enjoy my experience. I also, another one I didn't particularly enjoy my experience with. I saw Contracted, um, which is a 2013 movie. I think it's on Netflix right now. Um, streaming it's, it's clocking in at like under 80 minutes. So it's a short watch. Yeah. That's not necessarily a bad thing. No, it's not. And it certainly wasn't for this. The film wasn't bad. It's it's hard body horror. Yeah. Like it's it's squarely in the body horror realm. Um and it does pretty well at that. It's tref- definitely trying to do some of the uh like shocking stuff, right? It's doing stuff just because it's shocking like maggots falling out of vaginas oh, good. and shit like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I stuff like it. that. Uh, but yeah. I think yeah, you know, typical ilk. <laughs> but I do think that that is um it doesn't lean too much like it's not only trying to be shocking it is certainly a body horror film and it's not doing anything outside of the body horror realm uh but i think it does the body horror thing pretty well and it's got more going for it than just being shocking Mm -hmm. but it it is trying to do some of the shocking stuff i will say that the movie it has some troubles like one of the one of the creators of it when it was advertised kept calling it, it it's about a woman who gets raped right the body horror is because she's raped she's drugged and then literally raped and the like he was promoting it as a movie about a one night stand that leads to problems whoops and like that stuff kind of permeates through the movie like there's some there's some stuff about like a doctor being flabbergasted or telling her she definitely has this std because he knows she's had sex with a man like you couldn't get an std from homosexual sex like it's it, it's that kind of stuff is a little pervasive, which is unfortunate, but I think the body horror stuff works pretty well. So if you're into body horror, this one's probably worth a watch. Okay. Uh, it does all that pretty well. Otherwise, no. Yeah. That's uh, kind of why I haven't seen it. I know what it's about. Uh, I just, that's not my favorite area of horror to delve into. And there you go. After it's yeah. kind of spoiled for me because with the body horror, if you start describing, Oh, and then there was this scene, that's kind of it for the movie. You don't need to see it after that. If you're not interested in seeing it, which I'm not particularly interested in maggots and vaginas, so pass. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. And 
you know, like I said, it it's it's a little troubling. The guys who made it talking about like a one night stand and some of the homosexual stuff's a little backwards. I mean, I would assume that it was just marketing gone wrong. Like they figured if it was marketed as being like a rape, rape. it would be seen <laughs> a movie as, about rape. It would be seen negatively, and people wouldn't see it. So if they could at least get the money from those that were thinking it was slightly less sinister, although at the same time, like this is a movie that's going for shock value. So I kind of started taking that back because I started mentioning it. And I mean, Teeth did yeah. just fine, and they they marketed that thing about rape. Yeah, that's so. a very good point. Yeah, yeah, but Teeth's like revenge for rape. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas this one is just like your body deteriorates and you die. Yeah. Happy. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's a horror movie, horror Mark. Movie. What do you want? <laughs> I want a happy ending. I want the orphanage. Yeah. Wrong business, Look, bud. The- the movie does start with a man having sex with a corpse. The orphanage so. is not a happy ending, Mark. I'm blown right by Jack's point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's blow right by what Jack just said. I also, what by you just said. I think we're done with uh, this, and we could probably move on to our feature presentation. Yeah, it's about okay, time. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> we're getting into a dangerous <laughs> spot here. <laughs> Over at ADZHorror.com this week, we watched 2000, nope, 1995's Seven. You got it. Sometimes stylized as Se-Seven. 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 Yeah. yeah. That one. That. That's how you say <laughs> um, it. Jake, this was a Jake pick. Yep. Um, I think you had to go with definitely the 90s, but I think you had to go with a religious horror movie is why you picked this one. I don't remember, dude. This is like three months ago that we did this draft. I you think asked you picked me it because be I was to trying validate. to be a dick and I gave you a religious horror movie. Oh, yeah. So I just shoehorned it in because it was time. This is religious. That yeah. Counts. Exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, being your movie, yeah. uh, we'll start talking about it pretty soon. But 30 seconds are on the goddamn clock. It's going to start when you start. We need you to hit us with a 30-second plot synopsis. Okay, so Morgan Freeman is a detective. He's a retiring detective in this shithole Gotham, fictitious New York City, whatever. He's sick of it, and he's going to go live on a farm and be Thoreau-like or some shit. Brad Pitt comes in to be the detective that's going to replace him. As soon as he arrives, shit starts happening. There are murders that are done in a sort of seven deadly sins sort of way. The rest of the movie is kind of a track down the serial killer and chase down the clues to figure out what's going on. Eventually, the serial killer shows himself and finishes his perfect little plot by killing Brad Pitt's wife, and that's Time. what's in the box. What's in the box? <laughs> what's in the box? No, look, no one um, has not seen this movie or had it spoiled for them on the planet. No, absolutely. No one has um, not seen this movie. No one has everyone, not everyone not seen, has this, seen movie this movie. <laughs> and oh has not not had it spoiled for them. Never. <laughs> Except... My lovely wife, who had not seen this movie and didn't know about it. <laughs> she didn't know the what's in the box? She didn't know what's in the box. I was trying to tell her. I was like, you should watch the horror movie with with me this week. It's going to be pretty fun. And she's like, what are you watching? And I was like, I'll give you a hint. It stars Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt and Gwyneth Paltrow. And she's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I was like, what? Okay, sit down. Sit right down. How's that possible? I don't know. That's what happens when you're not from America, I guess. Yeah, I mean, she did spend the 90s in New Zealand, so. Uh, I mean, I feel like it wasn't a, real a thing, thing until right, memes but... existed. Shut up, Mark. They are. I mean, we did just did our uh, our whole draft. One of the categories was blind spots. Yeah. But that's a that's a hefty blind spot right there. Well, so is the one that Mark drafted, so stay tuned for that one eventually someday. I don't know when that's happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this one, this one permeated pop culture much more. Oh. Uh, maybe not. The permeation not. was complete. 
in any case, uh, yeah, and that's that's a pretty good segue into what in the fuck subgenre of horror this thing fits into. Yeah. Jake, this was your horror movie. Why don't you hit us with a subgenre of horror? This fits the fucking. Well, I'll go ahead and start just so we can make this more interesting. I'll throw it over to you guys. I picked it because religious, so we'll just stick with that and I'll throw it back to you. How's that for a pass? We think. We're not totally sure. Whatever. That's what I'm going to say. I don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. Uh, I it. I don't oh. think it's a religious horror movie in the way that I typically think of religious horror movies sure. with the religious symbolism and the maybe demonic possession or, or God stuff. This just happens to have a lot of like pontification about religion and God and the existence of a higher being. So I, I, I don't even know how I would call it a religious horror movie. I get why you picked it for that. Yeah. But no, I don't, uh, I, don't I don't disagree don't with you. There just is religion involved in the proceedings. Right. Yeah. Well, right. and it's a religious horror uh, movie in the same way that uh, The Sacrament or whatever is a religious horror movie. Uh, that's a good point. We need to start adding yeah. religious, <laughs> comma, not demons. Religion, comma, cults, religion, <laughs> comma, serial killer. Nice. Yeah. This one, Kevin Spacey just happens to be a religious nutbag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's Mark, how about you? Be. Hit us with another s- <laughs> religious nutbag. Religious, comma, <laughs> nutbag. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, get us with another subgenre for this fits the fuck into. Okay. So this is kind of difficult, right? Ooh. Because this movie probably isn't tried and true horror. Or it's really more of a thriller. I don't know if thriller counts it's, as a subgenre. It's on the thriller end. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. Does thriller count as a subgenre? It's basically just an adjacent genre. I, I don't think so. It's interesting because the thriller kind of fringe horror movie was super popular during the mid 90s. Well, early to mid nineties. Like that's what came up and really kind of brought the genre back into, I don't know, prominence in a way like silence of the lambs basically did well with the Academy because it was not marketed as a horror movie, but you can't tell right. someone that it's not a horror movie. <laughs> like it is. Yeah. Same. I, it, you I, just hit this, you hit this point where that was the thing you had these psychopathic serial killers in thrillers that were being marketed like that, but they're really horror movies. Silence of the Lambs, American Psycho, Seven. Along so it, I don't think yeah. it's a genre that really fits horror in particular, but it should definitely be noted that that is how things horror was marketed. Yeah, so no, I think that's right. Yeah, um, and and along those lines, I was going to say it's a classic, but it, it's kind of interesting because again, it's yeah. not. Like a classic horror movie, right? It's not like The Exorcist. It doesn't. It doesn't belong in that camp. But it is a classic movie, hmm. and it is a horror movie ish. So it's it is. It is. I'd give this you, is absolutely a, a horror movie. I think this counts. Yeah. All right, Jake. How about another one? Um. Anything else? You're really starting to get to the fringes of what it could be considered. I think. Um, shit, man. I got one. Is rain a subgenre? Is yeah. rain a subgenre? <laughs> buildings. There's no trees. There's no houses. Yeah, uh, just buildings. No. I'm gonna say slasher, comma off screen. <laughs> Is this? I a guess. Slasher movie? I mean, there, I mean there's, there's a body. People are right? killed one by one. There's a body count. There's a body, but that's it. That's all there is. Yeah, and I think I think that like to me with a slasher, you probably have to have the attacks happen on screen. Like that's. At, at least oh, most yeah. of You need them. some slashings. Yeah, you need some slashing. Yeah. And on this one, there is one kill that happens <laughs> on screen, and it's not the serial killer who's doing it. <laughs> no, it's quite so. the opposite. Um, yeah, no, it's an interesting point. It kind of took what the slasher is and really, in some ways, 
did the inverse i mean it has some of the the trappings right like there is a body count this slasher if you want to call him that or at least have this conversation that we're having he's doing things based on moral character of people that he sees as being absolutely he He is punishing people he has that sort of reason behind what he's doing but with these kind of fucked up american dream psychopath idealist serial killer movies like it just doesn't follow any of the other tropes that you would typically see with a slasher so it's a tough tough sell yeah well and that's kind of what you get into when you're not marketing uh, when you're really not making a movie that's a horror film you're making a movie that's a thriller right you don't really show the traditional horror elements because that's not easily marketable yeah. but you can show the aftermath sure which i mean they, they showed some pretty horrific shit in this this is absolutely a horror movie. Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. Um, I got I got no other subgenres though. Yeah, American let's just talk sure. about the goddamn thing. Sure. All right, Jake. So you you picked it. Oh what, yeah. Did you see this? I assume you didn't see it when it first came out. We were little kids. We were little kids. Yeah. So what's your history of this movie? Oh, that's the question you're asking. Mm-hmm. First time I saw this, I was in junior high. I was I'm trying By to By the way, this Imperial Stout is fucking me up. Good stuff, dude. You want to talk more about it? <laughs> uh, no, that's it. Was, it. Oh, that's good. So that's like most insight you have on movies. Say, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Guys, can we, can talk, we talk about this Imperial Stout? Stout? For one second? It's fucking me up. <laughs> I saw it in junior I, high. I'm I think accurate. I was in eighth grade at okay. the time. Yeah. And that's, since that then. feels like about when I saw it. Since then, I've seen it roughly 1,100 times. Yeah, this is one that's on often. Yeah. Which is why it's crazy that my wife hadn't seen this before. Like, I've watched this while she was in the same room, I think. But I watch a lot of shit that's, like, on the big TV while she's, like, noodling on her computer or whatever. That, <laughs> she's she's just know, learned to totally tune it out. She wisely ignores. Right? I Like, I think she could accurately say she's never seen Tell Me How I Die, despite having been in the room when Tell Me How I Die was on. <laughs> that's probably to her benefit <laughs> in that case. Absolutely. But this one, it was not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I saw this in junior high for sure. Um, and man, I just fucking loved it. This is like one of those like Fight Club or the Boondock Saints that you see it as like a early well, teenager a little bit before, and it, it just it sinks into you. It, but this one yeah. holds up so much better than the Fight Club or the Boondock Saints. Fight Club holds up pretty well, and that's interesting that you mentioned that one because that's the same writer, is it not? I or he know. at least worked on that. Andrew Kevin Walker, I'm pretty sure he either wrote oh. fi- he wrote the screenplay for Fight Club, not the book, uh, or he worked on it. I mean, they both star Brad Pitt. Yeah, no, he is definitely connected to that movie in some way. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. But yeah, yeah. Mark, how about you? I'm in this. I'm in kind of the same boat as you guys. I potentially saw it a little bit earlier because I remember not really understanding what was going on, and my like small ADHD self was kind of bored by the movie i mean it is like two hours ten minutes long like it's a pretty long movie and there's not a lot of action outside of the one chase sequence so yeah yeah i remember being kind of bored and kind of lost and i remember my sister (laughs) having to explain to me why a few of the things were scary like i did not (laughs) my brain just did not comprehend like what the deal was with the with the pride lady the the model at the end I was just like, what? So why oh, didn't she just sure. call the? Why didn't she just call nine one one? That's silly. Yeah, you, you couldn't <laughs> comprehend. Yeah, I mean, 
Jake, also, we're fucking idiots. Both movies were directed by David Fincher. He directed Fight Club and he directed Seven. Okay. Well, then he also had the writer with him. Andrew Walker. Uh, Andy. Yeah. Walker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, not, great. It was, whole, sure it was a whole right. gaggle of the same people. I'm pretty sure it's fine. I'm I'd... pretty sure it's right. <laughs> I'm, no, okay. If you want to bet? there was some type of database ooh, on the internet. Ooh. Mark, are you going to bet Jake? In my club, I will splash the pot whenever the fuck I please. Oh, oh, that's it. Gambling. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he is. Yeah. How are we? Yes. How are we evaluating right. this? Like, so if Andrew Kevin Walker was like on set one day because he's buddies with these guys. No, no, count? no. I want him like listed as a writer on Wikipedia. Okay. I'm happy. And to I'm take officiating that. this bet. If he's not listed. Jake wins. Nope, you win. If he is listed, Jake wins. Great. I'm really good at these. Great. <laughs> Go for it. All right. Um, okay. Need a second. He's not even fucking ready to do it. This is great. I'm ready to do good it. radio. Here's, here's what Wikipedia says. Fincher sought the advice of writer-director Cameron Crowe, who suggested giving the character more ambiguity. Fincher also hired screenwriter Andrew Kevin Walker to write and for assistance. The director invited Pitt and Norton to help revise the script and drafted whatever course of it bullshit. I call Jake wins. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> yes. Fuck. Here we go. <laughs> okay, hold on. I got to just do the scrolling thing. I'll click at some point. Mark, also, you like how either of us could have bet him, but instead of, I just said, Mark, are you betting Jake about this? <laughs> I neatly removed myself from the situation. Uh, I also vote that we it. open up the... Um, we, we just get to suggest a movie to watch instead of having to pull from the bottom ones of HRR because no one's Look, a if winner. a listener will ever write to us that's and fine. tell us a movie no, that that's we fine. should watch, we can do that. Oh, I have some, but I have some, I have some bad movies in the chamber that I, I would have gone that way had I won this bet. <laughs> Great. Because well, we're also limiting ourselves to bad movies that are ex- that are only coming out in the last year or so since we started mark this. you're you're trying to you're trying to wriggle out of the movie that i'm going to you assign are you, trying to and i don't out. like it <laughs> we don't have to keep doing it this way but for now we are for this I'm one saying, we are yeah. because i'm very pleased with this one. Oh no so listeners write us in movies that we should watch as a punishment for bet yeah give us some hor- for shitty horseshit horror movies <laughs> to watch are you ready mark yes Okay, so the month that I selected randomly was June of 2016, and oh, your no. bottom one for That's that month one. was Neon Demon. Oh, oh, fuck! I'm okay That's with this because film. he was very. You were like pretty against this movie. Jesus, I, what was my bottom? I, one? I Here, hold on. I gotta read movie. this. I gotta read this. I literally have already run out of things to say about this movie, so you clearly didn't know how to say literally. I can't remember the last time I was less intrigued by a movie. It basically looks like they turned one of those confusing perfume commercials into a feature-length film. Here's another funny cat video to send us out on a good note. (laughs) I was happy with that one. You certainly had literally run out of things to say. That's going to be great. I did. I feel like that was an appropriate use of literally. No, no, that was because you said a lot more. You're after so it. stupid, I can't even deal with it. <laughs> that would have been the appropriate I, last. Sentence I figuratively to that cannot deal with it. Here's why I like that. <laughs> Let's continue. We need to continue. There's... Okay. Yeah, shut up, Mark. Stepping all over my point. Literally stepping all over. my So, Mark, point. you're gonna watch the Neon Demon. That's yep. a good bet. <laughs> I will. Jake, what? What does seven, 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 Vin do right? 
Sesevenen. Vin. Oh, no, because there's no V. Sesevenen. Right. Sesevenen. Yeah, what does it do right? Almost everything. <laughs> um, who boy, if I have to single out one thing to get the conversation started, the attention to detail is the overarching category, and I'm going to hone in on the sets. Yeah, the sets are great. They're perfect. The city is a fucking It's a living, awesome. breathing, I think more than almost any other movie I've seen. Horror movie be damned. Uh, this movie paints a setting that is a living, breathing organism. It does a really good job of just grossing you the fuck out and making you feel just how shitty this city is. Exactly. I loved it. Yeah. I, I, that's something that it gets better each time because you notice like little things that are just like off center of screen that they didn't even have to do, but it's just that attention to detail that makes it a great for movie. For sure. So. It's it's also interesting because a big part of that is the coloring of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a little bit faded, it's a little bit yellow, and the whole thing is is just. But it's and it feels heavy. But whereas in movies like The Ring, it's oppressive how colored the movie is. Like how like The Ring, it's blue, blue. green, yeah. right? Or dark yeah. was the night. But oh this god. one, oh my god, yeah. But this one, I think, is as aggressively like colorized. But it just it feel it works so well in this movie that it doesn't take me out of it at all. It just it's perfect. Hmm. Okay. Good talk. Yeah. Mark has nothing to say. <laughs> I thought Jack was going next. Jack, what did the movie do right? <laughs> Jesus. Well, I, I do agree with you. We're, we're on fire today. This is boys. horrible. <laughs> Our host I, I do agree that the, the attention to detail is terrific. I was speaking. What, what the fuck do you want from me? <laughs> Mark needs Scarecrow. But yeah, I do agree that the, the film does attention to detail very, very well. Like, right down to the notebooks, right? And this is this is like The Shining. Yeah. Where he fucking, like, typed out all of the 5,000 pages or however many it was of all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Yeah, they actually wrote that shit. <laughs> they wrote that shit in thousands of notebooks. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, yeah, it's and fucked up. On that same note, there's, like, little pieces of character development. This movie does character development through attention to detail really well. I was very close mm-hmm. for my beers, for my fear to just drink a like milk glass of red wine. I think that is yeah. <laughs> yeah. such a good little detail that like uh-huh. they're moving from Podunk and could go nowhere. totally overlooked. Yeah. 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 But it's such a nice little like it's, character thing oh, that they shit. don't have wine glasses. Well, they do because they have them at dinner. But then when Brad Pitt's getting him wine, he doesn't give a fuck because he's yeah, just okay. a cop Fair who enough. does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's great. You're, you're exactly right. It is character development and it's subtle. This movie is the exact way that like you should do exposition because the movie does exposit. It tells you things, but it feels so natural within the movie. Certainly, yeah, absolutely. Like you learn everything. Morgan Freeman's character is by far the most interesting one to me. I think he probably would be. To you guys too, but yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a more interesting character. I probably should. Yeah, less relatable, but more interesting. I, I mean, I, I think that's kind of trivial to point out which one we like more. I, I would say I like Brad. I didn't ask that. Um, I didn't ask which one you liked more. I asked which one was more interesting. Well, literally, they're synonymous in my head, I guess. But (laughs) I, I think Brad Pitt's character is a little bit more interesting, just because the trope of five days from retirement cop is. Not particularly, in- it's interesting, I guess, in a certain way, and he plays it well, and this is obviously one of the best examples of it, but it's still like a trope we've seen before. 
For sure. Yeah. <laughs> On the subject of Brad Pitt's character, this is we're getting into the annals of IMDb trivia here. There were two other guys that were considered for that role before him. Okay. Care to name either? Uh, Keanu I don't Reeves. No. Keanu Reeves. See one of them? I like Keanu Reeves as a suggestion. Maybe Let's Nicholas see. Cage. Think of other 90s so, guys. I like both. Oh, of actually, Those are actually, awesome no, there were, there were three. I'm now remembering I read Nick Cage was considered. But yeah. two of them. Fucking killing it. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been whack. Two of them that actually turned it down were Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> <laughs> think about how different the movie would have been with him. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and Denzel Washington. Whoa. Which I could I Denzel could Washington totally would have killed this role, man. Say that everything you he, just said again. Denzel Washington would have killed this role. Knocked it out of the park. The Brad Pitt role? The Mills? Yeah. It would have been it, I don't know, man. It would have been interesting in the mid nineties to have a movie like like this kind of movie to see how it did helmed by two black guys. Yeah, I, I yeah, think it that would have there's made something the... with both of those characters. They command they're more commanding, at least at that point in time, in my mind and remembrance of mid nineties, uh than Pitt. Pitt had to have that Mills character had to have a certain like live wire kind of fidgety scrappiness scrappiness that i you're definitely not getting with rocky and denzel washington's too commanding a character as well <laughs> yeah was, so. was he in 1995 denzel though? washington but it would have been what mark was he in 1995 though i don't he didn't have a that's why i just under his belt that's why i just said i can't recall but my remembrance of him is rooted in you know things like remember the titans the movie would have been terrible if sylvester stallone were playing the mills role well, yeah, I, I'm pretty him. confident that about that. What's in the box? That would have been awesome. <laughs> Yo, Adrian! You in the box? <laughs> Adrian! <laughs> yeah. Yo, Gwyneth! <laughs> Yo, Tracy! But Whatever it yeah, is. All, 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 all the character development is, is terrific. The little stuff like Tracy calling Morgan Freeman to talk about just like how hard it is to move to the city and being pregnant. Like You get good shit going on. They, they develop it very well. The other small Absolutely. thing that I that I love, and I think this might be the first time I've ever caught it, was uh, Arlie Ermey's thing when he's sitting on the desk talking to both Brad Pitt and uh, Morgan Freeman out in like the main area, and he's sitting on like some random cop's uh-huh. desk, and the phone's ringing, and he picks it up. He says, "This isn't even my desk," and then he hangs it up. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> so what the good. fuck is going on? Uh, that's such a great Arlie Ermey moment. Yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. He was, he originally was going to be John Doe. What? Okay. No, then they got Spacey and they were like, no, we're going to give it to Spacey. So Arlie Ermey, you're going to be police chief, which is a way better fit. Way better. Yes. It is a way yeah. better fit. Because Kevin Spacey nails John oh, Doe. Oh, God. Because Kevin Spacey is a weirdo creep freak. How about you and I think- settle down there? No. Oh. I think <laughs> that, that segues into another thing that this movie does correctly really well is uh acting right there's this is a murderer's row of actors in this movie yes i see what you did would there. you agree yeah exactly there you go uh, <laughs> uh um, we've been known to have some pretty continue. high level acting analysis on this show so i want to i want to do a quick lightning round with jack 
we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna shoot through we're gonna shoot through all the actors in this movie, and you're gonna you're gonna provide some analysis on on your on their performance. All right, this is what I'm this is what I'm made for. I'm really good at this. Okay, here we go. Uh, Morgan Freeman. Good, I enjoyed him. Okay, Brad Pitt. Good, a little bit less good than Morgan Freeman. Okay, Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> good. As good as Morgan Freeman. Okay, uh, Leland Orser, the guy in the, the the lust, the knife knife dong guy. Um, knife dong. Serviceable. Okay, serviceable. John C. McGinley. Awesome, <laughs> terrific. Arlie Ermy. Uh, the best ever. This this is the best acting I've ever seen. Hawthorne James, the night guard at the uh, library. <laughs> Terrible. Didn't like him. Okay. Well. And that concludes our lightning round. <laughs> that is your high-level <laughs> acting analysis, as provided by A to Z Horror. I, I could teach a fucking class, man. <laughs> yeah, you, you're really good at this. Firing of all cylinders. Oh, I skipped one. Kevin yeah. Spacey. Oh, I mean, look, all joking aside, Kevin Spacey's performance is what sells this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, is just it? by the, all, all the buildup you get, and then what a fucking weirdo he is when he shows up. I mean, I agree with you. It's it's a really good performance. I don't think it sells the movie. The the movie is about the the trifecta of Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, and to a slightly lesser extent, Gwyneth Paltrow. Sure, but if if they had all that build up and all this chase, and then you came in and you had a less believable fucking weirdo than Kevin Spacey, I just don't think it would have had the same punch it does that's true he's a good sixth man he's the good first guy off the bench for the movie like he's phenomenal he could have dropped the ball but he didn't i but that being said he didn't he wasn't he's not the guy nailing threes the entire length of the film that was a basketball sure. metaphor that's you fair. took basketball as far as you possibly could have there i appreciate that yeah <laughs> i'm trying yeah speaking of which those those nightmare junkhead guys owe us i forego i forewent the fucking game six of Penguins Capitals to be on their podcast. Yeah, they really owe you. You they owe me big. You would have been so sad during that game. I I'm really happy I didn't watch that game. God, <laughs> it all worked out for you, Jack. Don't I worry could about barely. It. I, I was watching Game Seven by like with my back to the TV, having Hannah tell me what was happening on it. <laughs> Let's get back on track, boys. <laughs> Any last things that this movie did well? I mean, every like Jake said, everything. The, the air quotes here, guys. Kills. Yes, I'm glad. Okay. I'm glad the someone kill. brought it up. Of course, I mean this is a movie about very creative serial killer killings based on the seven deadly sins. Um, what was your favorite? Well, that's I, a weird. I thing don't know. I, I um. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite? My, my favorite grotesque murder scene is. Uh, the one that I think is most creative is, well, the one that we haven't seen anywhere else is Lust, which is a hard one to talk about because it's, uh, I guess, a prostitute being killed by a guy wearing a knife dong. Uh, yes. Uh, that's so fucked up. <laughs> that's yes. incredibly fucked up. It is. It's that so fucked up. It's uh-huh. one of the only so ones they good. can't actually show. They have to show you a drawing of the thing instead of actually showing you the thing. But they, yeah, they handle, and that's one of the things they do so well with this movie throughout again, is they handle the dread of that, and they paint each of the scenarios so differently. Like, that one is so, like, you know what's coming with lust, and 
you see what <laughs> it is and then they go there because they know they found her so you know it's going to be gruesome as fuck and sensory overload the lights the music pounding they're screaming at each other because they can't hear there's people like fighting and yelling this guy's freaking out with like the fucking whatever they give you blanket when they find you and you're all in <laughs> shock and you kind of like see her off in the corner and it's not like in focus or anything that is so fucked up and they handled it perfectly within the context of not being too much i guess because it could have really taken it could have really taken you out of the movie if it had shown too much at that point yeah yeah speaking of speaking of six speaking sorry speaking of six man off the bench i guess seventh man off the bench would be leland dorser here he's the guy who actually like killed her right he's the guy wrapped in the blanket uh, again, yeah. a guy, a scene that could have totally just fallen through and not been that great. His performance in the 15 seconds he's on screen where he's like shaking, he's like clearly in shock and he's like, there was a gun in my mouth. Top notch. He I, really sells the shit out I of I didn't, like I said in my, like I jokingly said in my analysis, I think it was serviceable. Like it didn't, it didn't stick with me. It, it's a fine transition to the next thing, but that didn't, that didn't stick out to me as terrific. I thought that his scene... In the interrogation room, for lack of a knowledge on what else to describe it as, was kind of annoying. Okay, well, fine. Like, okay. the rec- where they're talking to him and he's, like, freaking out. I think it was, I think he did a good job, and I understand why it was like that, but that didn't, that doesn't mean it wasn't kind of annoying. Like, he's in shock, and he's stuttering and trying to get his words out to describe what happened, and he's panicking, and he's crying, and he's screaming, and that's kind of annoying to listen to. But, hey, dude was freaked yeah. out of his gourd. Just step sure. all over my analysis, then. That's cool. That's fun. I mean, I didn't disagree with you. I didn't really step over it. I, I do agree with you. I was elaborating. <clears throat> That's great. Thank you for contributing, Mark. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> speaking You're of a valuable member of this podcast, Mark. Speaking of contributing, other, fam- uh, other favorite grotesque death scene, Jake or Jack, either of you. I... Look, I still like the gluttony scene. It's it's the first one. It's the one that hits you the hardest. It's it's right off the fucking bat. It's gruesome as shit. He has to eat his own flesh. Ugh. I, I like how Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman talk about it later. Like, just if you had to cut a chunk of yourself, what would you cut off? You're mixing They're two murders. The greed guy. Wait, you're mixing oh, two murders yeah. up. Yeah. I am, yeah. and I think you're doing that because I, the greed. Dude, one I'm telling is really... you, this imperial stout is fucking me up. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, so I actually also kind of had it in my head that the gluttony guy did have to eat part of himself, but I think it's because the greed, greed is the most underwhelming one of all of these. They they don't really linger mm-hmm. on the details. There's like one or two moments where they're like a pound of flesh, no bone, no whatever, only flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the most. Also, nah. they all really pile up on lawyers, huh? Yeah, well, lawyers, lawyers suck, suck man. <laughs> Fuck you guys. So the gluttony guy didn't, to my knowledge, have to eat himself, but he was he didn't. forced You're to right eat. And he that. was being fed like little pieces of the whatever floor or wall or whatever. They were like was- pieces of hard plastic or metal that were in the food that was being fed to him. And as he became overgorged and all that and stuff, that's what he just had to eat until his stomach. It's what helped yeah. puncture the organ. Right, that's a good one. Yeah, it's fucked Fuck up. The, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'll just I'll just add the sloth one. Thank that one's you. a little bit perplexing, um, because that's where it starts to shift from just like I am killing you in this way because 
of X, Y, or Z. Like, he was in the process of killing this guy, but this is where it transitioned to where dude wasn't dead when they found him. And that leads to, like, the right. only jump scare moment of the movie, which was really, really good. Oh, my God. And shout out to the guy who played him. His name's Michael Reed McKay. You'll also know him, if you're a horror fan, as playing the mummy in the Monster Squad. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. That's what he actually looks like. Like, he is Jesus. a small dude, and, like, again, sorry to do this so heavily this episode, but this is a fascinating movie. Um, this guy weighed 96 pounds when he auditioned, and I guess David Fincher was, like, kind of jokingly, he was like, you should lose another 10 pounds or whatever, and he fucking did. <laughs> Somehow. Oh God. Yeah. Christ. So he showed up, and he weighed, like, 90 pounds. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Ooh. So, yeah, that he didn't look all that. I mean, I guess it still took like 14 hours to apply the makeup because his face was made to look so crazy. But other than that, he was just skin and bone. Well, yeah. And I mean, he's fucking covered in bed sores that were all yeah. just terrific makeup. Yeah. Attention to detail. Oh, hey, he's also yeah. the man who can't breathe in Insidious 3. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I mean, shit. he has a long <laughs> whore background. He's a guy who looks unique. So there you right. go. Yeah, that's... uh. Good work. Exploitative. Um, how about things that didn't do well? What didn't you love about this movie? Hard. Hard. I know. Very hard. I'll jump in. Uh, Runtime. The reason that I it's... I don't have this thing in my yearly rotation, it's close. I probably watch this every two or three years, but it is hard to fit in two hours and ten minutes into like an evening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like I said, I watched this with my wife and we were, I don't know, a half hour into it or something and she's like, are we going to bed soon? And we, she paused and it was like, there's still like 94 minutes of yeah, run. There's still a full movie left. <laughs> and it's hard for me to point at stuff that I would take out. Like, I actually think they did a great job of it, you know, including important scenes. Every scene that's in there is appropriate and well done for mm -hmm. either character development or building suspense or whatever. Mm -hmm. Even the chase. I mean, the chase scene is a little bit long, but Ultimately, it's a great chase scene, so I don't want to like pick that apart too much. I don't know where they could have. If only there were just six deadly sins, you know. <laughs> we need to go back. Well, and and they the had Bible. to, yeah, and they had to get like three of them in pretty much in like the last fifteen minutes of the film. Yeah, they really shoehorn pride in. Oh God! It takes like three minutes of screen time. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, yeah. she killed herself. Okay, well, moving along. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll agree with that, Mark. I also think sometimes the cinematography didn't work perfectly for me, especially with the attention to detail of the rest of the film. Like, sometimes it's pretty clear that it's filmed during the day, but with a filter on it to make it look like dusk and raining. And it the, the like, raining effect is much more clear than it is at other times. Yeah. So sometimes just that doesn't work great. And sometimes, you know, Morgan Freeman or Brad Pitt don't get wet enough for having been in the rain for <laughs> six straight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure that, like, the, yeah, you can tell in certain instances that the rain is those, like, industrial sprinklers that are just hanging yes. over the set. That's, yeah. And for the attention to detail in the rest of the movie, that sticks out for sure. I totally agree with that. That's the only time that, for me, I could really tell that something was clearly an effect and being done specifically for the movie. Like, there's one scene in particular that sticks out where, like, Brad Pitt's in the car. I think it's the one where he gets the Cliff's notes or something. Yeah. And it's kind of sunny. It's like sun showering. <laughs> and you can see like where the rain machine stops and it's no longer raining. Right. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. there's no rain. Um, <laughs> that. And then I think another thing that hit me is I don't love 
how they find him. I don't love the FBI guy finding library books because they're secretly tracking. Like, it had to be that he was checking these books out of the library, not that he's read them before or owns them. And that just felt a little bit contrived to me in terms of the writing of this thing. Yeah, that's the truth. I mean, realistically, that guy would probably own these books, right? Right. Own the books or just know not, them. Yeah. Or have them not check them out from have them tattooed one on his library body of some, in some way. Right. Right. All from the same library too. <laughs> that would have been that actually would have been great. We we found this tattoo parlor who tattooed the entire Seven Deadly Sins, the uh, every circle of hell onto this guy's body. We should probably check him out. <laughs> Right. As opposed to what it actually is, which is what what triggers Morgan Freeman into this is the guy is that he rent, he checked out a book from the library written by Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's fucked up, man. He should be in. He he, should he's be read Dante and Thomas Aquinas. That's nuts. <laughs> in this day and age, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, they do kind of comment on that in the movie's defense, right? I, I think Brad Pitt is something like, so we're gonna find some PhD student who's doing a dissertation. Yeah, but yeah, but it's one of those things where the fact that you comment on it doesn't make it less absurd. The fact that you recognize it doesn't make it less stupid. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm willing to give him a little bit of credit there. Like at least you you need to close that plot somehow. And I don't know. I guess either you're not creative enough, or there just isn't a good way to make those two ends of the string meet. Sure. Sure. I and, and I'm giving them credit because I, I love the Cliff Snow scene so much. That scene is so good. Yep. When he's talking about Even fucking, though you can see the ring. fucking Dante. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, just the fact that he's checking out Cliff's notes instead of like so Morgan Freeman goes <laughs> he to He has the, a he has a beat cop bring him Cliff's notes. Yeah, yeah, Morgan Freeman goes to the library, listens to classical music, and reads the individual books, taking notes or whatever. <laughs> Brad Pitt has a beat has a beat cop bring in the Cliff's notes versions of all of these things and then throws in the them car. in the passenger seat and doesn't even look at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. I think for me this is kind of a tough one to describe. I'm gonna see if I can get you guys there with it. I do agree that the acting was really good in this movie for the most part. Brad Pitt's character in particular, I have a couple scenes where it's just tough for me. Um, I know that he's supposed to be, I don't know, a little bit squirrely, I guess. He's just kind of like a high-intensity sort of guy. So twiddly. that delivery, yeah, a little bit twiddly. He, like his, that <laughs> That character comes through. And I think that's part of why some of the delivery happens like it does. But there are times where it just feels very stilted to me. Like the two scenes in particular that I'm thinking about is when he's talking about like fucking nut jobs and being fucking crazy. And he's talking about how the serial killer is probably like rubbing himself in peanut butter. Ooh. <laughs> in his grandma's panties. Yeah. And I'm just like, what are you doing, dude? Like no one talks like this. And then the other one, the big one for me, is the scene where he and Morgan Freeman are having a drink in the bar, and it's kind of like the sort of young up-and-comer cop is, like, teaching the old, supposedly wise guy a lesson through his, I don't know. That's heavy tropes. I, yeah, it just, like, uh... the way he did it was just, he kept repeating himself. He's like, you want me to agree with you, and I can't. I cannot. And I'm not going to do that. I won't. I will not. <laughs> I don't agree with you. I do not. I'm like, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> it's fucking annoying. You know what's interesting is that on that same score, uh, my wife did not like the what's in the box scene. She thought it was fucking ridiculous, his box? delivery. And it's, 
Certainly, I mean, we've seen it so many times now that that's how it is for me, right? The, what? What's in the box? Yeah, his delivery but I don't was just remember kind of like, weird sometimes in this movie. Yeah. I don't know. But that never stuck out to me as weird until Hannah was like, that's fucking stupid, huh. the way he says that. It is, like, it's up there with the, oh, not the bees! Oh, the bees! It's a very similar <laughs> delivery. Bees. Like, I don't know what the delivery should have been in that scene in order to sell it appropriately, but it probably isn't what actually happened. Yeah. Oh, the bees, they're in my eyes. <laughs> What's in the box? What's in that? I don't know, man. Yeah. I... And that's that's really nitpicking because I had a hard time finding things that I think this movie does flat out wrong. There aren't a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the I It does, I do question where this is supposed to be set because it's a fictional, like they specifically don't name You question that? You really do? It's, no, no, no. I, but so I question where it is because of the desert. They drive for not very long and then end up in the desert. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just supposed to be like throw you off guard. So it feels like somewhere that doesn't truly exist in nature. Like it look, it's New York City. It's Gotham. Yeah, that's what it is. But then there's this. I honestly think the desert's just there. So it feels like a little bit disjointed. And because it's kind of a cool visual setting for it. That's it the only cool reason. visual setting. And you get heavily featured uh, John C. McGinley. <laughs> John C. Riley. <laughs> No McGinley. No, you're right. Damn it. Wait. Fuck. Yeah, John you C. McGinley, not Fuck John you. C. Riley. You... <laughs> God damn it. I'll bet you. <laughs> I will take that bet. John, John C. C. Riley was in the seven. background of one scene as a cop. Hey. <laughs> look at that dead body. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fuck. I don't that understand. That ratings. I think my favorite yes? is... No, I have one no, more thing. Okay. Redacted. <laughs> At the end of the movie, Take it back. my favorite line in the movie happens, and it's after it's after Brad Pitt kills him. It's after Brad Pitt kills Kevin Spacey, and like you are in the helicopter pretty much. The line, somebody call somebody, is one of the best <laughs> things I've ever heard. That's really good. That is really good. Oh man! <laughs> somebody calls somebody. The of the moment, <laughs> and yeah, it's a police a helicopter way. that's doing this, right? Like it's it is the people yeah, who they would call. Yes, <laughs> yes it's like right. the SWAT team. <laughs> so it was. It's actually kind of a. I can shoehorn this into what it does wrong. I love that, but it's a weird bit of levity in a situation that is just out and out crazy and dark. Yeah. So absolutely, what happens? What is supposed to happen with Brad Pitt's character at the end of this movie? Like what? What is his future now? I, I think he's. Th- is he going when, away? My my interpretation was because the 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 captain or whatever says I'm going to take care of him, right? And my interpretation has always been like he's going to go to jail, but he's going to be in a like not Gen Pop, right? He's going to get a special isolated cell. So he's like going away for life. Yeah, dude, that's so dark. <laughs> Well, he just shot a man in the head. I yeah, mean, but he, would you well, not? He shot him like 18 times. He emptied this clip. And uh, he emptied, yeah, he emptied it, yeah. Would you I not? Mean, so I absolutely would, yeah. and I also would go to jail for it. That's why it's amazing. Uh, drop a drop a law bomb on us, Jack. Uh, what is his likelihood of getting off on, like, mental uh, illness or whatever? Almost none. It's, it's hard to say because this isn't a real state. So Idaho oh. doesn't actually have, for instance, Idaho doesn't actually have an insanity law. 
uh, you, there's no insanity defense. You can be so crazy that you can't have committed the crime, like you can't knowingly have committed the crime, but we don't have an affirmative defense of mental incapacity, necessarily. Um, some states do, but that's becoming rarer and rarer, so uh, very unlikely. Could you comment Especially on, temporary on what the insanity? laws are in Gotham? Jack, what is the likelihood <laughs> that Brad Pitt somehow becomes like Batman's sidekick or something? Uh, legally, about 95%, okay. I'd say. Good. Technically so, speaking. So you're telling me there's a chance. Ratings. <laughs> We over at Easy Horror use a 1 through 10 rating system to rate the movies we watch. For one, think of how recently old Ben Kenobi has heard the name Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. And for 10, think of how Carl Spackler would rate how nice it is that he got a blessing from the llama. And he says, oh, uh, there won't be any money. But when you die, on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. So I got that going for me, which is nice. Story is the first category in which you rate these movies. Jake, this was your pick. Yep. Rate the thing for story. Nine. <laughs> Just, wow. It's a, <laughs> this is a very in-depth, unique, dark serial killer tale that is very well realized. I mean, I'm trying to not get too far into how they execute and just go with the concept, but the concept of what you have in this family that's moving in because the husband who loves his wife very much wants to do some good in this world and be reassigned. And he's fought to get to this really shithole desperate situation of a city that that they are now in, in Gotham or New York or what have you. And the cop, that's leaving you kind of have like a classic old cop young cop buddy buddy situation kind of hate each other rib each other give each other shit but they turn yeah, it on neither his head. One's a dog so eh. they turn it on his head and give such a dark disturbing just frankly disgusting look at the life of this serial killer <laughs> um a lot of this this is like a story tilt for me I'm, I, I think it's probably in reality a little lower than that but i love everything about what it's trying to sell so i'm giving it a nine is that the highest you've ever given a movie for story uh it might be tied for that yeah well we know you've never given it a 10 that's it's not, not a, a 10 do for some fucking reason it's not a 10 um i i gave it an eight um i i agree with you that 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 it's terrific for me it, it loses a couple of points just in terms of the how they find him right it's the central piece of the story in terms of how it moves forward right why kevin spacey has to accelerate his plans uh, and it just, Mark, you said it. I don't know if it's that they didn't weren't clever enough to think of a good way to do it, or there is no good way to do it. But either way, it doesn't work all that well. So it, it's not perfect. It's yeah, an eight. It's, a, it's very, yeah, it's not very perfect. strong. It's a nine. I also, you, I also gave it an eight. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to echo exactly what you guys said. But the one thing we haven't really talked about is the twist at the end, right? Like to be I, I i think a lot of people come out of this movie being like okay but they only did five sins well, and they, would they would be dumb <laughs> they well no i think that they're not dumb because the movie doesn't 
Like, the first five sins are spoon-fed to you. Most of them are, like, painted on the walls or scratched onto a door or whatever the fuck. He, he doesn't and then write the last two anywhere when Brad Pitt shoots him. Yeah, and then the last two in the movie are obviously Envy and Wrath, but that's not as... It's Which a little he bit more says. Sad. They write it... He, he literally says those words. Literally. Mark literally says them. But, 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 to Mark's point, it isn't literally painted on the wall like other are. others are. It's, but you would have to be stupid when he's like, I was envious, and he's like, become wrath to not know what the sins were. You would have to be <laughs> stupid. In any case, my I, point is, yeah. I don't think a lot of people are going to see the fact that Kevin Spacey's final victim is Kevin Spacey. Sure. Right. Sure. 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 And so let me let me ask you this though. Yeah. Do did you what what are your memories about predicting what was going to happen? Because I don't remember predicting it at all. Like yeah. One way neither. or the other. I just remember being amazed by what happened. Um. But Hannah, as soon as he said the word, you know, I'm envious of you, detective, in the car, Hannah was like, oh, so what? Brad Pitt shoots him, and they're the last two. And I, I wonder, as, like, an adult now, as us now, if you saw this for the first time, would you have that thought, too? I, so, there's to part of my brain that thinks, even if you haven't seen this movie and claim to not know anything about this movie, you've absorbed this movie purely through osmosis. So, I'm not certain I'm willing to give full credit, full points for that analysis. Sure. Maybe she hasn't seen this movie, uh, but there like have been I've never enough... seen Citizen Kane, but I've seen The Simpsons enough that I, I feel like I've seen Citizen Kane. Yeah, like I know Rosebud's the sled. I get it. I get it. <laughs> um, side I note, mean... don't ever watch Citizen Kane. It's a fucking garbage movie. No, it's not. You just don't <laughs> have any appreciation oh, for the down the law. I do think it is it slightly eight. weird. That's great. I, I do think on that note, though, it is slightly weird that... <laughs> Those who die are not all... It shifts. There is a shift. Each person who dies, it starts out as being the one that is guilty of the sin, and then it kind of changes. Right. The deaths are not all I mean, the guilty of the sin ones. The sin is just embodied in the act of the killing in the end. Exactly. Brad Pitt is like only Minority Report style guilty of the sin of wrath. Yeah. Only by committing the act will he be guilty. Well, and of Gwyneth it. Paltrow was the, technically... She the, didn't even she commit was a the, sin. She was the envy kill but it was his sin she was the target which he then died for no no target yeah he's the envy kill no she was the one who was killed in the envy situation that was the embodiment of that sin was his killing of her because he was envious and then it's kind of changed to where the killer let me let me ask you this am i crazy i remember seeing a dummy gwyneth paltrow head is that an alternate cut somewhere floating around the internet or did i like dream i think you dreamed it i think you dreamt that (laughs) you have weird dreams good talk moving on Um, yeah, world-building and immersion. Wow, we haven't even hit our second category yet. Good. Um, Jake, what's your world-building and immersion score? Nine and a half. Jesus! Almost goddamn perfect for me. It gets a little long, and that's why I'm not giving it the extra half point, but there's something about the concoction that is this movie, and its darkness, and how disturbing it is, and just the subject matter of the seven deadly sins as being the cart that carries you through the whole experience it just hits me so right. And each time that I watch it, it gets better and I'm going to get more to why that is with my effects score, but it has me, it has me every single time. And all of the payoff scenes are still just as immersive and fun. If fun's a weird way to describe it, but entertaining as they were the first time I saw it on many, 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 many repeat viewings. So wow. Nine and a half for me. Yikes. Wow. I'm going to give it a seven. Okay. 
Um, I think that you're you're right. It does <laughs> it does hold up very well, but at the same time, it's also really long. Yep. And Mark, I agree with you. I don't know what you could do to make it shorter. But do you but it care does feel when long. you're watching it? Do you care about its length? A little bit. This time, it felt long. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. There's that. There's Brad Pitt's I don't know what you want, in some scenes. Okay. I don't either. Okay. No, I don't. Like Mark said, I don't know what to change. Some movies about it, are just longer movies. Long. Yeah. I'm in a right, glass whatever. case of emotion. Um, I, your ADHD <laughs> strikes again. And uh, Brad Pitt's weird performance in a couple of the scenes takes you out of it a little bit. Then Good the point. rain stuff is a little bit tricky, some parts. You better not double jeopardize that one, Jack. I'm not. Well, I'm not. that's a weird that's, place that's, to pot that's it. That's for me. World building. He will. He um, will, listener. <laughs> I won't. Okay. I won't. I'm giving it a seven. Fine. I think that's what it deserves. Okay. Mark. I'm. Wait, I'm and actually. The acting was good. <laughs> the acting was good. Uh, I'm with Jack on this one. I give it a six and a half. Uh, I feel like I'm being a little bit harsh on it, but ultimately, it is those things like maybe it's just that I've seen this movie too many times. Maybe it's that it's really long. Maybe it's that the acting in like the the climax scene of was it a lot is it's not it's not <laughs> bad but it's was it a lot but it's like infinitely parodyable I don't know if parodyable is a word but I'm making it one um, it almost certainly isn't look this movie I like I said I feel like I'm being a little bit harsh for the things I'm penalizing it for but I I'm, I feel like six and you a half are. is you are the right level it's it's just it's that's the right point for it and i can't really i can't really give an objective rationale as to why aside from what i've already said and what you guys well, have already said a nine and a half is right so you're wrong okay all right <laughs> whatever fair enough uh that leaves us with scare factor as the third category jake what's your scare factor score i'm giving it a four it's it's pretty okay. middling the concept is the concept is very creepy uh there is really only one scene that is outright make you scared scary, but that is one of the more earned jump scares ever. Question mark. Yep. It's up there. Uh, it's really, really fucking good because the first time you see this, you think that dude's dead. You're sure he's dead. You are not expecting. And it's so that it kind of plays to the advantage of the movie that it's so long because you're so far into that movie that you're absolutely certain this dude has just killed this guy like all the others. And then when he, isn't dead you 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 jump it's a good jump scare yeah um but the fucked up of some of these these kills too are just tremendous in a fucked up way fucked up in fucked up in this fucked up in this four <laughs> i could not agree with you more it, it gets a four um the the jump scare is great i i lose a little bit especially the older i get the less scared i am of kevin spacey's weirdo pseudo philosophical bullshit Mm -hmm. at the end. Like when I first saw it, that's terrifying. Right. And all his shit is really resonant, but then I don't know. It's just, now it's kind of just like, yeah, you're, you're saying some horse shit. People in philosophy class say cool. Um, (laughs) yeah, four. Uh, yeah, you guys all nailed it. It's a four. It's, if, if I think about, like, what the individual scores mean, five is, like, an actually average horror movie. Three is a bad horror movie that doesn't have a lot going for it. This is realistically a thriller that is borrowing heavily from horror, and if I were to show this to a child, 
a lot of this stuff, knowing from personal experience, would probably stick with them for quite a while. The fact that it's removed a bit from yeah. the actual killings, torturings, whatever, and all you ever really sees the crime scene means, you know, it, it, it's it, it, it gets knocked a little bit for that. So, yeah, four. Four is the perfect score. And I think we all gave it a four. So, all right. Oh, uh, we did. We did. Well done. Scientifically Effects calibrated. Or judicious scale. lack thereof. Yeah. Mark, you son of a I bitch. know. So much crosstalk. Cross effects or judicious lack thereof is our penultimate category. Jake, hit us with your effects or judicious lack thereof score. I'm going with a nine. Jesus. Well, I, I've already kind of tipped my hand on that one when I said earlier that, like, the attention to detail in this movie isn't nigh on perfect. Uh, the various settings that they have created and the sets themselves are really, really good. And like we talked about, think about the journals and how much time they this spent is on This going to be your highest rated movie. Um, <laughs> it It's getting knocked a full point. It's not perfect because of the rain. That was a little okay. tough at times, but I, the effects I are really good. Like I thought rain. that the, the music, all, Mark's just singing in the background. <laughs> You're throwing me off my goddamn game. Uh, I thought the music was blowing up your spot fine the nine inch nails intro is very 90s in its own way so 90s yeah which i kind of liked so i'm actually thinking <laughs> i'm gonna call that a boon for the movie um yeah it was great i gave it a nine i don't know what else you want me to say i'm with you i wasn't saying jesus because i disagreed with your score i gave it a nine as well i was saying jesus just because of how high all of your no, scores no they're been. not all that high well, you gave a four to Scarface, sure. Fine. I said Jesus because I'm drunk. Good. This is like a 10% beer, and I've had a few of them. <clears throat> um, I, I I agree with everything you said. I'm not going to hit it for the rain here. I'm not Thanks. double penalizing it. Um, it's a weird place to have put but it, though. I put it in the right place. No, Fuck you. It's a rain effect. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking kidding me? I, I think they could have gone... Like some of some of these kills could have been more than they were, okay. uh, in terms of the gore factor, and so that's that's it's just it's not perfect. It, it's did a they long, need to be Jack? Slow plotting movie. It's not perfect. Look, it's not a ten. It's a nine. Do they need to have more gore? No, but it's. I, I think it would have been well served if, especially the uh, uh, pride killing, had had a little more shit going on than it did. Okay, like if they had shown her noseless face instead of wrapped up? Yeah. All right, whatever. Yeah. So, nine, not ten. Okay. Mark. So I'm also giving it a nine. I have nothing else to add. So I think what we need to use this time for is describing why it's not a ten. We're, are we just, are we just gun shy on giving it a ten? Aside, no, so the rain, told you. Certainly not. The rain is the only thing I feel like we've pointed to, and Jack has said that it's... We, we don't focus enough on the dead bodies, but that seems kind of strange. I, I, I don't know. I I think it's a little bit high on the n not effects and maybe not judiciously. I mean, okay, look, the sets are damn near perfect. The Particularly yes. the sloth set, right? You walk into the apartment and you have all these pine tree air fresheners hanging from the ceiling. It's great. It's so good. You have the actual... So, the one thing... The one gripe I have that we haven't talked about on that guy yet is the bed sores look kind of dumb. Um, but his facial makeup is... Another reason is not to give it a just out of control, man. Um, I, 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 I actually like the bed sores, but... I think I'm willing to say that this should be a 10 and I'm just gun-shy. 
Okay. I'm not. I, I think it's a nine. Yep. Okay. Um, and, and I do totally agree with Jake that the music is dated. Right, it's like that. It's it's like the Matrix. The Matrix is a great film that ends with that fucking uh, what Rage Against the Machine song. Wake up, wake up! As he's like, fly- it's brutal. Like that's it's, it's so nineties. I mean, it's, it's hard fine. to deal with. It, it's fine for most of the movie. <laughs> like the actual score, I think, is pretty spot on. Tune in next yeah. week when A to Z Horror reviews the Matrix. I would watch. I should watch the Matrix. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's in that's in my yearly rotation. Which takes us to overall, Jake. <laughs> I gave it. Thanks for playing host, Mark. I'm too drunk. I gave it an eight and a half overall. Really good movie, okay. a classic in my book. It is in my yearly rotation, despite the fact that it's on the longer side. Uh, kind of toes that line, like we talked about earlier at nauseum. Where is it a horror movie? What's a horror movie compared to a thriller? Where does it fit in? Look, it, it's a horror movie, but it kind of does tiptoe a certain line of being acceptable for a slightly wider audience um, without treading too far into the side of things like Jack was just talking about with potential gore in the kills. Therefore, the scare factor is a little lower. The numbers are telling me to go even lower than an eight and a half, but I'm not going to. I think that's the right score. Cool. Well, I gave it an eight. I, I agree with everything mm, you said. Great. It's a great movie. Uh, it's not in my yearly rotation. I watch it semi-regularly but not yearly Sem- uh, semi-annually <laughs> biennially <laughs> or biannually they mean the same thing yeah um it uh actually it, it's a little long those don't mean the same thing just pointing out for the record listener biannual semi-annual both mean twice a year biennial with an e means biannual i said it wrong thanks for pointing that out mark <laughs> I'm, i, I provide the analysis that our listener demands <laughs> i'm sure is that me? Is what that did turn? you give the movie? Yes. Uh, sure. I feel, I feel morally obligated to give this movie a seven. And let me let me justify this. This is yeah. a better movie than okay. a seven. But as far as a horror movie rubric, I'm pulling it down a little bit because it's not it's not a it's a thriller, right? Like it is a crime, it's not a straight horror mystery, yeah. whodunit thriller type type of movie. Mm-hmm. It's, Plus, it's how up are you there not with like give seven a seven. Exactly. Like that's kind of the zone I want it to be in anyway, and it just fits too perfectly. So I'm giving it a seven. Yeah, someone had. And I won't hear any complaints. I'm not going to complain for that. That's good. Good. Fair enough. Uh, Jake, that means you gave it the highest score. Why don't you uh, talk about why you should get drunk and watch this with your buddies? Because it's long enough for you to actually get hammered while you watch it. For one. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a certainty. I think you'll. I think I, I mean, I've watched this with at least you, Jack. I don't know if I've seen it with you, Mark, but it, it lends itself better than you would expect when you kind of think about it from a philosophical standpoint to watching with a group because a lot of commentary potential with each of the kills when you start talking about like how that setup must have must have happened and you kind of just get into the blood and guts. It's kind of a weird way to describe it of each of those scenarios it makes for interesting conversation that I've had with friends while getting drunk. So, therefore, it is a good movie to watch while you get drunk with your friends. There you go. Uh, Mark, you gave it the lowest score. Why should you not get drunk and watch this with your buddies? Yeah, I mean, this is a hard one. I probably, I don't know, I haven't box-plotted my shit, but I feel like this is probably in the upper quartile of everything I've rated. Um, You... Because it's long, I guess. If I had to circle in on like one thing that this wouldn't be great to put on in the background, a it's long, and b there is a certain level of like 
visceral violence. This movie is is a walking trigger warning. So if you're having like a party and have this on in the background, there could very well be someone who is <laughs> disturbed by the shit that is on the screen. It's dark. It's not a background movie. Yeah, it's, it's a not a great movie. background movie. It's, yeah, yeah. But that being said, if you're gonna if you're gonna drink a bottle of red wine out of a milk glass, then yeah, go for it. Fuck it, I'll just concede that. Sure. <laughs> It feels like time to get the fuck out of here, huh? Let's do it. This was episode 38 of the A to Z Horrorcast. Check out everything that we have going on. Head over to A to Z Horror.com or check right down there in the links below and you can see where we're hanging out on social media. As Jack mentioned at the top of the episode, we're coming at you from the Phantom Podcast Network. Check out everything else they have going on. A lot of cool podcasts about really a variety of different things in the genre. Not just movie reviews, not just drunk assholes like us. That's over at downrightcreepy.com slash phantom. Next week, we are getting into our next draft, right, guys? Yeah, first one. Yeah, and it looks like it's a me pick. I think this is my wild card pick. Uh, so, dropping on May 22nd, we're going to take a look at a Finnish movie called Sauna. If you haven't heard of it, tune in. Until next time, get your buddies, grab some beers, and go watch some more movies. Have a great week, everybody. If only there were just six deadly sins, you know?